Hello? Oh, I just lost you guys. Huh. Let's take a moment and stop here and see if we can get Adam back. Cool. Okay. And they're off. <laughs> hey, everybody. Here we are. Welcome back. Welcome back. Hey. <laughs> For those of you wondering who we are, uh, we are Art Technique Podcast, a podcast about the intersection of art and technology, and I'm Jeff. I'm Adam. Oh, I'm Adam. Separate, I'm Aaron. Yeah, separate entities. from Adam. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, guys. Hey. It's, hey. it's been a little bit since we talked last. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know who has what in the way of updates, but I have a couple of things. Um, most importantly, Adam, your, uh, uh, I took your advice from last time. What did your, I say? <laughs> well, last time, time we, oh. kind of, <laughs> kind cool. of, yeah. Last time we were talking about, um, you know, messages to our younger selves and things that we could, you know, do over and, mm-hmm. and things that we should do, you know, or we could have told ourselves to do when we were younger. And, and you put down the challenge of, you know, it's not too late. Why don't you just do it? Mm-hmm. And so I did. Um, my thing was is that I uh, would not play, you know, music and stuff in front of a in front of a, an audience of actual human beings. Oh yeah. And so uh, Marty, um, who 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 I was staying with when I was in Athens, and she was on the show. For those of you who don't know, um, Marty, our musician friend. Uh, encouraged me to play for her and sing a song for her. And so I did. Mm-hmm. And um, it was one of those, like, it was a dark, stormy night, like mm-hmm. quite literally. And we were supposed to go see the Shakespeare. And then suddenly, you know, the storm gets so big, uh, the power goes out, and we light a bunch of candles and sit around and talk and end up playing music. Mm-hmm. And so, rather shyly, I did end up playing my song. And she and her husband, Noel, both really, really enjoyed it. Um, both the lyrics and the the singing and everything else and the playing and stuff. Mm-hmm. And Marty said, you need to go to Hendershot's on Monday and do their open mic. Huh. And I said, to hell with you, I won't. She says, yes, you will. <laughs> uh, and I did. And I'm really glad that I did. And it was received pretty well. And then uh, I ended up playing it again somewhere else. And uh, uh, I was just really happy that I did that. And uh, I appreciate you for laying down that challenge because <laughs> it was definitely in the back of my brain when i said okay i'll do it uh-huh. <laughs> so that's my update well cool that's good that's good to know yeah very cool uh, how about you aaron i am in the middle of my six-week run of dr seuss's the cat in the hat at the center for puppetry arts um we had uh three performances today as on it's a Saturday and uh, good kids. They're having a good time. They really like the show. Uh, we're having we're having a good time doing it. You know, it, it it's hard when you're doing thirteen shows a week, but but we're still enjoying it. It's a great show. Mm-hmm. If you're in Atlanta between now and July twenty seventh. Come on out and see it. Stand by the stage door afterwards and say hi. I know you from Art Technique. Huh. I like the uh, pictures of you in the blue. And I know I've got a couple of kids from the camp I I was running in Athens who will be coming to see your show. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, Um, it's a weird Czech blue covert puppetry style. Um, I think that's pretty cool. There is uh, is overt puppetry, which is like Avenue 
queue uh, where you can clearly see the puppeteer you are intended to um, and you perform with the performer being a part of the visual. Well, mm-hmm, we mm-hmm. can be seen. We're wearing these blue velour outfits instead of the check black traditional black velour where you stand in the shadows and hold the puppet into the light. Mm-hmm. Um, so technically we can be seen, but after about five minutes, your brain edits us out. So <laughs> of course we are check blue and I've named it covert puppetry rather than overt puppetry. Cause while we are there, we aren't seen anyway. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> so and, and why did they go with blue exactly? Is because it just... the cat is a black puppet. <sighs> The cat, to draw him like he's in the book, has to be predominantly black fur. Right. So if you do check black and have the puppeteers disappear, then the cat would as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they were like, well, all of the backgrounds in the book are this sort of baby blue color. What if we tried the style with that and experiment? So it was a grand experiment, and it seems to be very successful. The kids are not like... But it wasn't a puppet show. I could see the people. Um, (laughs) But it is very strange because normally we have these hooded sacks over our heads with a little piece of scrim to look out of. Yeah. If you're doing it, check black. Yeah. Uh, But they were like, well, we're going to see them anyway. So just having a weird blue sack over their head seems weird. So all of the hoods (laughs) have um, on the front of the little baseball brim that holds the hood a little bit away from your face. We have uh, a nose and whiskers, and then on top of the hood, we have these soft fabric ears mm-hmm. that stand up on our head, and we have, for the very beginning of the show, little blue, but mm-hmm. dark blue, light blue striped hats mm-hmm. that fit on top, and so they look like the cat in the hat hat, except they're light blue and dark blue instead of red and white. Oh, that's very cool. Uh, yeah. So, Adam, what have you been up to? Well, uh, you know, we're um, I'm doing my offsite residencies, and so I'm uh, mostly not here at uh, Lexington Children's Theater. I I drive uh, usually at least twenty minutes away. It's about it twenty twenty uh, thirty five minutes away. Uh, I was in Winchester, Kentucky. I think last uh, last week. Um, this most recent week, I was in Frankfort, Kentucky, at the Grand Theater. Um, which is a really nice space. The last time I was in it was actually when I was still a tour actor here, and they were still uh, they had just started renovating the space, and so it was mm-hmm. all it was just a basically a black stage with um, uh, uh, folding chairs, and I remember a lot of plastic being uh, hung over the walls because <laughs> whenever it rained, it would you know leak into the building, and so. Um, but uh, it's just absolutely gorgeous now, but. Uh, the theater, I think it originally was a vaudeville house, but they renovated it in the 40s and 50s, maybe even sooner than that, to be a movie house. So the seats are really low <laughs> relative to the <laughs> stage because it was, you know, expecting you're going to be looking up at a movie screen. And so, you know, it's uh, you can see everybody could see our uh, PW performance on Friday, but it was a lot of, you know, your head was up. Everybody was craning <laughs> up. Which was interesting, but it was very successful. It was fun. We did this, uh, um, what was it called? Um, Stinky Cheese Man. Uh, it was based on the book by <laughs> John Sheska, which is just a bunch of little sort of vignettes of fairy tales you know, but like in a 
with a twist and some weird awkward thing about it like little red running shorts or the other frog prints or goldilocks and the three elephants and stuff like that so it was um you know it's weird um and uh it was fun so I've, yeah I've, I've really almost exclusively been teaching <laughs> like every oh, wow. every moment of my life is either consumed with planning for teaching uh actually teaching or driving to or from the place i'm teaching <laughs> It's like every moment of Aaron's life will soon be consumed with learning, planning to be learning, yeah. or <laughs> yeah. planning to be planning to yeah. be learning. Eight days. Oh, wow. So Goldilocks and the three elephants, is that where the three elephants all kind of feel Goldilocks with her, their trunks and try to describe what she looks like? Because <laughs> the elephants are all blind? They're all blind. Uh, no. Yeah. No, it's uh, that's actually the shortest one. They literally just rattle that one off in like about three lines at the very beginning. And I think, <laughs> and I think, just to give the audience an example of like, hey, these stories are going to be messed up, and here's an example. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think all it really is is because everything is so oversized, Goldilocks can do no damage to it. Like she can't even get in the chairs because the chairs are so high off the ground. She can't get in mm-hmm. the bed. She can't even reach the table to steal their food. So she's like, ah. She gives a shrug and says, you know, bump this, and she goes home. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, boy. (laughs) How long till you're off to Italy, Aaron? I leave in 58 days, and it's about a week and a half after that that classes start. Wow. Wow. So you do get a little bit. And then I'm going to, yeah. Keep going. Okay. Yeah, I remember now. You said you build in some time to not rush. A few days in Chicago. And then a few days in Arezzo, I arrive like the Thursday before the Monday of classes. So I've got all weekend mm-hmm. to sort of cry myself party. to sleep. Uh, party, yes. <laughs> um, that that is a better plan. Hmm. Um, <laughs> you got to have that first day of grad school hangover. <laughs> is there a first day of grad school hangover? I've never having never. Yes, been. it's called every day of grad school. Oh, and the hangover is from learning. I was about Kevin to say, Patrick yeah. has anything to say about it. <laughs> huh? I, uh, uh Hey, I, I also saw last week, and I find, I went out and saw Man of Steel. Oh, oh man, I haven't seen it. You guys it. see that? Ah, walk out I, crying halfway through? Did I cry? Actually, I did cry a little bit through, cause, and I totally get why the movie came out on Father's Day weekend. There's a lot of, oh, wow. you know, there's a lot of, you know, you know, the pull of Clark between, you know, uh, uh, what's his name? Kent. Um, his, Jonathan? Uh, Earth that. Thank you. Jonathan Kent. Yeah. Jonathan Kent and then Jarrell. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it was, it was awesome. I mean, it was really good. I could see why a lot of people were angry by it and, you know, <laughs> felt that, you know, aspects of it don't, you know, line up with what they think is, you know, canonical, canonical, canonical. People were angry about it. Some people, I mean, just online, you saw some people yeah. that were like, uh, you know, just they they felt that there were certain characters were behaving in certain ways that were not true to their comic book selves. But the thing is, I mean, there's been so many versions of them over the years. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, yeah, it, it's it depends. been around since. Yeah, it depends on who's writing and drawing. And I will say, though, that there was the most interesting aspect about the film to me, which I felt they they peppered throughout, but they never really developed. And there was one particular scene that I felt was like really heavy handed with, you know, 
Superman is like this Messiah Christ figure that will, you know, save the planet, blah, blah, blah. And, um, but there's this one really good conversation he has with uh, Jonathan Kent at one point uh, when, you know, he's still growing up and he's struggling with his powers and trying to find his place. And Jonathan says something to the effect of, you know, you're going to change everything. You're going to make people question their beliefs in God. You know, in terms of, you know, because we have this sense yeah. of we are created by gods and, you know, Therefore, we are... Th- can't be from another planet because right. we created them. You know? Right. And we're the pinnacle. And also then, you know, in every religious earth tradition, there is, you know, we are the pinnacle sort of creation. And so, yeah, now you have this other um, that is more powerful and, and you know, than a mocha lo- locomotive. Mocha locomotive. I'm so tired. <laughs> um, you know, but... I think I drank one of those once. <laughs> a mocha locomotive. Is that like Crackachino? <laughs> Crackachino. I so need a Crackachino right now. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, yeah, it was just this interesting. They sort of touched on, and there were a couple references to it throughout. And it was like I wanted to see a movie where like all the religious leaders were in a room debating about, okay, here's this like super man from another planet, and uh, what well, are we gonna do, guys? Word. Yeah, right. some sort of super right. man. Man. <laughs> Oh, we but. wait for two kinds of smoke. One kind of smoke, religion can go on. The other kind of smoke, everybody give up. <laughs> Is it a blue smoke and a red smoke? Like that time yes. he split into two, he, Superman split yes. into those two entities? You know, they did that in the 50s and they brought it back in uh, in the late 90s, early 2000s, something like that. See, I don't remember the 50s one. I only remember when they did it in the 90s, like the two... Mm-hmm, when he was all electric and stuff? Electri- yeah, the electric suits. Yeah. Like, I don't remember why, and I don't remember how they rejoined them, but I remember <laughs> for a while... <laughs> I remember for a while, Superman looked like some extra out of Xanadu. <laughs> yeah. He had, like, magneto powers for a long time. Well, not for a long time, but it felt like a long time. I mean, he was all, like, lightning and magnetism and... You know, zappy powers, which was very, you know, different. Yeah. But, but And then some character took on that costume called Strange Visitor. <laughs> what an awful name. He would have to be. They ran out uh, of names. They probably have, like, uh, two jars, like, in, you know, the DC comic headquarters. And they're, like, one is an <laughs> adjective and one is a noun. Hey, huh. Huh, this one says strange. This one says well, visitor. Strange Visitor is part of Superman's extended definition, you know, his extended title. Strange mm-hmm. visitor from uh, another world brought in. This was a lady. Da, 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 da. Yeah. So we're waiting for more powerful than a locomotive. Girl. <laughs> <Able to go. laughs> Speaking of able to leap tall buildings, there is also a good moment where he he doesn't know he can fly. And so the first time he moves great distances, it actually is a leap. Like mm-hmm. he's jumping. Oh, cool. He's jumping. And about halfway through the jump, and there's this tight shot of... Um, What's his name? Henry Cavill's face. And you see him realize, wait a second, I, I feel something else. And it's like, oh, my God, I can fly. And you see this joy on his face that like oh, as, wow. he, as he discovers this power. And it's a really it's a really nice moment. So is that where they've secretly I, uh, put Christopher Reeve's face over his for a moment, according to the Internet? Oh, really? I have not heard. There's that. a <laughs> there's a thing going around that there's this and it's a very it's a close up of the guy's face and he's sort of going through clouds and light and stuff so that like it's this very flickery sort of I'm it traveling was... very quickly and wow. for like a couple of frames it looks like Christopher Reeves well then it would have to be that moment because that is the moment it's like an extreme like it's just his face basically and a little bit of like clouds and mm-hmm. you see the crackling energy as he's as he discovers he can fly so that's got to be the scene 
Yeah. I had begun to paint a very different image in my head when you said, like, you know, he's jumping and he's jumping and then he feels something else and there's a look on his face. And I thought the next thing you were going to say was... <laughs> Mega but, fart know, and he levels like the Redwood Forest. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. That's how he discovers he can fly. <laughs> uh, fortunately, that's never been... The fart-powered superhero propelled through <laughs> space by... Uh. Not since Howard Stern's Fart Man. <laughs> yeah. Is that a real thing? It, it, that is a real thing. He had this mm-hmm. character he would kind of just riff on when he was on the radio, and he actually had a suit created. And I remember it was during one of the MTV, I think, either video or music awards, he actually flew in as Fart Man. Like, they made up a whole costume for him. It was it was Howard Stern. Oh, yeah. There was yeah. an independent film called Thunderpants, where... <laughs> The one kid is like a genius and the other is gassy, but a good person. And so mm-hmm. the like smart kid makes him these fart pants that like filter and then use that energy to like give him superpowers. And so he becomes Thunderpants. <laughs> wow. My, my apologies to any ladies who might be listening, but we're almost done, except to say this one thing. Um <laughs> Uh, Aaron remembers this. I had these characters, Nelson and I had these X-Men parody characters called the Unfragrant X-Lax. And uh, I'm going somewhere with this. And the Cyclops leader type character, I think his name was Buttflops. And he had a butt for a head and, you know, he had a visor and whatever. You can you can draw your own, you know, imagination to what he did. Um, but the point was, is that he was, you know, the butthead leader and he was a real jerk and he was the leader of the group, you know, the captain or whatever. And uh, flash forward to recently, uh, Sarah is making uh, Commedia masks, and she's making, I thought, I think it was a Capitano, uh, and uh, she puts a little crease in it to kind of remind you of a butt. Huh. And I was like, oh, (laughs) he was kind of a stock, it kind of makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Uh, Jeff, did you ever try out the digital coffee house? Uh, no, I have not tried out the digital coffee house yet. So, I think I went to the site to download the the because it's a, it's a, it was like an audio file, stream. right? You just turn it on. It's, oh, it's okay, like okay. This. So, uh, Adam, uh, my sister uh-huh. sent me this thing that there was research done that the peak creativity level for uh, creative endeavors is approximately the decibel and chaotic mix of what one catches at a regular old coffee shop. Okay. Um, it's it's enough to keep you from sitting there in silence and fretting about your project, but it's not so loud or specific enough to distract you from your project. And it's why, well, part you know people go to work at coffee houses for a variety of reasons, but it turns out it's actually beneficial for those creative projects. Hooray! It says it's not for like you know if you're doing your taxes or doing expense <laughs> reports or spreadsheets, but if right. you're creating writing, um, and so coffeeativity. Uh, website has sprung up and it has they've gone to several coffee houses and decided that the best one is this one they recorded and now have sort of a a live looped stream Mm -hmm. so that you can like play it in the background as you work wherever you're working and get that peak coffee house level Mm -hmm. of distraction and noise and i was like wow this sounds so perfect specifically for jeff though in general i mean i go work on my scripts at coffee houses and things Mm -hmm. that's where i go to learn my lines yeah because there's something about the buzz 
uh, of noise around you that and the buzz of the caffeine it, and the buzz of the caffeine <laughs> yeah to be fair and uh yeah that kind of keeps me focused in a way that if i was home where it was like dead silent no distractions i would get maybe 20 you know minutes of good focus and then my mind would be gone right you know yeah, I actually I did go to the side. I forgot there were a lot more plates clanking than I was used to. Um, I remember that, so I listened to it for a little bit just to check it out. I haven't tried working with it yet at the house. Uh, I think I would have to put on a pot of a decaf or something just for the smell, just to get the Full two sensor. going together. <laughs> yeah, but I think it would be a great idea when you know you know you can't go out and and but you need that kind of yeah, you know was like thing because things with words like lyrical music you know it's gonna mess you up if you're writing especially at least me. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what, Aaron? You, you provided me with a great by sending me that article. You 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 help me understand why I am sometimes productive in a coffee house and why I sometimes am not. And I hadn't realized until the article pointed out, like you mentioned, that if you're doing tasks that are creatively productive, you know, like you're writing your story or something, then the, the coffee house helps. But if you're doing something that's like more logistical. You know, like if I if like uh, putting together, you know, like I can go. I just finished this brochure design. I can go and I can design and do all the layout at the coffee shop, but I didn't do the registration form because that's all like you know I've got to get the data entry points right and all, and that's like a different whole different brain set. Mm-hmm. And I had to do that at home in silence. And I understood I, that's what I had to do after reading that article you sent me. And it's, I think it ended up saving me a lot of frustration. Oh, good. <laughs> so I appreciate it. Something's come out of it already. But I was like, maybe if if we could work as if we were at a coffee house, but not spend $5 a day to do it, yeah. our projects yeah. would ultimately be more profitable. <laughs> yeah. Let's mm-hmm. dream. Spend 10 bucks on a on a bag of coffee and, and ride it out. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm going to try I'm going to try that soon cuz I'm back uh in the uh polar home office if you will mm-hmm. and uh I've got to kind of set that office space back up because I've been mobile for a couple months now I guess and uh that's one of the tricks I should try to try to get back in my daily routine that and uh get up get dressed leave the house in the morning you know and come back uh yeah. as if I'm coming into work I think uh, Aaron I think you mentioned that once and and uh I think that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, this may save you money on all those $10 bags of coffee, especially if you're drinking decaf these days. This other mm-hmm. thing I found this week um, is centography. And a um, engineer and artist has designed a working scent camera. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we'll have to post a picture of it. I'm going to, do my best to describe it on this radio broadcast. Um, so there is a central unit that looks like sort of a white, um, uh, like a Chinese takeout box, um, but like hexagonal. And it's got four tubes that come out of it and meet at the center. And then those tubes all go across the room as one to this sort of glass dome um, that's, <laughs> Put cone on of t- silence cone of scent <laughs> capturing um and uh so you put whatever it is you're trying to capture coffee beans for example under the glass dome and um the madeline uh which uh is the name of the project um 
has captures the little scent molecules that are actually coming up off the object and capture it in tenax, a porous polymer resin that absorbs the volatile particles that make up the smell. Hmm. Um, and from there, you can get the exact gas uh, mass spectrometry of that particular odor and sort of recreate it like Pantone colors, but for scents. <laughs> this sounds like this sounds like Farnsworth's um, uh, uh, s- <laughs> smelloscope. Smelloscope. Thank you. Yeah, I could see. So him are they gonna <laughs> are they gonna like uh, register those scents like Pantone does their colors? Well, you know, there's only the one prototype working model at the moment, right? But it can create these delicate files of the scent. And then a bronze disc um, with the formula information. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, but if you can copyright perfumes. I guess so. I know you're. And if you can copyright recordings, which, like, if I go out and I shoot a recording of a tree, you know, even though the tree it? was there. Hmm, I don't know. Does anyone see? <laughs> but but even though the tree is out there in nature, right, and exists on its own in nature, uh-huh. the the recording of the tree is still mined by copyright. So even sure. though the scent goes out and exists in nature, as long as you're not trying to copyright an existed copy, you know, like you couldn't say, "Well, I've captured the scent of Chanel Number no. Five, therefore this is my new version of Chanel Number no. Five, and I'm going to sell it." Mm. But you could remix it. But you could catalog it, I guess. Um, but you could you could remix Chanel number yeah. five. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> you're thinking of Mambo number five. I am. I am. But wouldn't it be neat if there was a way uh, that, I, and I guess it's impossible because it's particles of matter, but if there was a way where the scent could abruptly change as quickly as a piece of music can abruptly change, um, uh, and 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 the the scents not jumble together. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like you smell this. Well, you could and then blast you smell the uh, the white scent they created for the perfume yeah. display in between. Oh yeah, so you could yeah. Have emotion number one scent, white scent. Emotion yeah. number two, or and then you or, could sample and remix Chanel number five. Or um, and I this I heard this uh, on a little piece on NPR the other day. Uh, uh, you could create uh, little microbes, um, uh-huh. and you could uh, alter their genetic structure so that maybe they ate the previous scent, and what they like their output, the whatever <laughs> gases or things they give out, We're back to turn into a, yeah, turn into like another scent. And I and I swear to God, this was a this was a legitimate thing I heard on NPR the other day. The scientist. And I think his name was Kiesling, and I was trying to find it online, but I, I guess I didn't, I spelling his name wrong, whatever. But it was on NPR on Morning Edition yesterday about this guy, Kiesling, that he is currently, uh, he's already successfully done this once with microbes where, uh, he has genetically, uh, at the genetic level modified them. So they take in organic, uh, uh, materials, but their output and things they produce are synthetic. Um, and mm-hmm. so he's actually created microbes that produce basically malaria vaccine. And there's one company out there that the way they make their product is through these microbes. Um, wow. And so currently he is trying to, and he has successfully done it, but it's not cost effective, of creating microbes that their output, their synthetic output is basically a diesel 
a diesel fuel. So mm-hmm. it's a biodiesel essentially, mm-hmm. and um, that and he's on the process of, but it's a diesel fuel that when you burn it, it does not have uh, it does not burn, giving off carbon dioxide uh, uh, or carbon monoxide. The the, mm-hmm. the bad carbon the bad, stuff. the bad carbon output out of the back of your car it doesn't put that out there and so oh. currently he is already it can already make the diesel fuel but it's an expensive process right now because what they're ingesting is uh, uh, very complex sugars and sugar is expensive to refine and yeah. so now he's trying to uh, create microbes that do it off of simple sort of plant matter like cellulose and like uh, almost like what any raw just right grass field, leaves just go. yeah and now, so if they yeah could do it with an elephant so <laughs> yes. that the mm-hmm. output volume was increased exponentially <laughs> <laughs> we are making some really high level poop jokes today and i'm impressed <laughs> i'm impressed with us it all started um, with poop yeah speaking of animals uh <laughs> i just saw uh we were having some uh, uh technical difficulties before the show and i just saw adam your text message Yep. And it said, my Google cat has frozen. Oh, really? <laughs> I was trying to type it while you guys were talking, because I thought, should I Cat must it? be in beta. I guess. <laughs> oh, well. And my like, Google r- cat has frozen. Right. <laughs> yep, there it is. My Google cat has frozen. <laughs> and then I, right, uh, when, right when I sent it, that's when I lost you guys. So. Uh, I bet they're back. developing a Google cat. What oh. are they not developing? What are they not? Now that they're into hardware, they might as well make pet animals. Ethics. Ethics. That's what they're not developing. Waka, 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 waka. Is EPIC an acronym for something or just like a a story Uh, that I give a Uh, damn about? Ethics (laughs) is one of those like uh, recursive acronyms like GNU's not Unix. It stands for Mm -hmm. ethics that have integrity tomorrow come. Oh. Soon. <laughs> I was almost at it. <laughs> no, you didn't. I, almost, almost. And I, well, I totally misheard you. I thought you said epics, E P I C S. So oh, I was very confused. <laughs> we were I having see. two different conversations. But think how cool it would be, like if you took like the Google Glass technology mm-hmm. and put and it, it into like a robotic pet that like followed you along, mm. like this companion animal, and you could be <laughs> and you like, said cat, go search for something. Yeah. And it could, like, lead you and be like, show me the way to the closest movie theater, and you would follow your cat down the street. Oh, that would be cool. Would it be an actual, like, hardware cat or, like, some virtual cat that only you could see through the Google Glass? I am envisioning a robotic hardware cat instead of having to wear the Google Glass myself. Oh, instead of. It's like a robot, his dark materials. Yeah, like, everybody's (laughs) robotic Google Uh Google demon. Uh, (laughs) Right. Or, or if you have like a uh, like a home version dedicated to like takeout services only, it'd be Go Fish, and it'd be a fish in a bowl like Klaus. Uh-huh. And you would say, uh, "I want pizza, Go Fish," and he would call up the delivery people, know what kind of pizza you want, and it would show up at your door. For the I don't want to go out version, and then the the cat and the fish would probably have an interesting relationship. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. What if you know in the meantime you could have like your virtual fish tank like on like a Google tablet hanging on your wall mm-hmm. and you'd be like, go fish and it would do it. And you know, the fish would disappear and reappear on the pizza delivery person's tablet and mm-hmm. be like, mm-hmm. this is the order. And then it would swim back to your tablet. And then you could like give it like fake virtual digital so, fish flakes. So now it's like it a Harry Potter you. portrait. 
Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Oi. Speak, so who's using DuckDuckGo? Just you. By the way. What is Just that? Me? What the hell is DuckDuckGo? <laughs> I don't know what it is. Uh, DuckDuckGo is uh, a search engine that has uh, is becoming popular uh, based on the backlash to all of the uh, search engines that are having to deal with uh, the Prism stuff that's happened recently. Mm-hmm. Prism, 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 come get me. Uh, anyway, um, uh, DuckDuckGo does not personalize or save your search queries in the way that Google does. So first off, it doesn't catalog and save your searches, supposedly. I mean, you have to just trust them, I guess. Uh, but also, it doesn't um, tailor any of the searches based on your IP address, based on anything, any way that it would garner information about you. So it's not going to give you like local results for X or, you know, how you and I can enter the same search terms in Google, even if we are logged out and uh-huh. we are going to get different things. DuckDuckGo uh, just gives you the straight results of its algorithm. Uh-huh. Um, and mostly for privacy reasons, people are at least temporarily jumping ship over there. We'll see if it's just a fad or if it's going to yeah. give them enough to, to do something with it. But my question is, um, well, how are you going to monetize anything that you're sure. doing, DuckDuckGo? I like your idea. I like another competitor, but how are you going to make any money off of it? Yeah, when it comes down to it, they'll sell out and become like every other company that's well, out there. you can still do... That's nice, Adam. That's nice. <laughs> it's real well, hopeful. He's tr- it's true. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I'm a pragmatist. Uh, but I think you can still uh. basically do uh, instant result um, the, the ads, couldn't you? I mean, just because they can't be personalized to an environment, you could still do... Yeah, I think so. You know, the word camera takes you to give you a Canon EOS Like ad. it used to be. Yeah, like it used to be back when Google started. Huh. Right? Because before they were so good at at collecting everything. I mean, they, they had to start learning how to do their ads some way. And that sounds like yeah. the most basic one-to-one way. Um, so that makes sense. I'm not saying there's not a way to monetize it, but I'm, I, I'm just asking what their strategy is anyway. So duck, duck, go. Uh, if you are scared of prism, um, go check it out while you can. But the truth is, is that if you are submitting that search, mm-hmm. it's too on late. an unencrypted network, you're still sending data, especially over Wi-Fi. but you know, you're still sending data over the air that can be, you know, picked up by packet sniffers and, and stuff like that before it even, you know, arrives at DuckDuckGo in those milliseconds that it takes. So, I, I got it. You know. I mean, this is this is kind of related, but, you know, on an extreme end. Uh, I got an email just the other day from Vendini. Uh, Ven, mm-hmm. uh, Vendini's uh, servers were hacked. And so people's yeah, personal... Got I got that one. And apparently, uh, I think they said it affected over four... 100, 500 different arts uh, uh, companies in the country, and actually Lexington Children's Theater was one of them. Um, and yep. so, yeah, and so it was just, um, yeah, so there you go. That happens. <laughs> yeah. Um, for those of you who don't know, Vendini is a box office uh, software solution for nonprofits and, uh, and other mm-hmm. companies that do live events. Tracking patrons and events. Yeah. The ones that are trying not to yeah. give all but of as your I money recall, to <laughs> As I recall, Vendini doesn't actually store credit card data, if I remember correctly. I know that they'll store like user like addresses and and I, I think that is, names and stuff, but no card data. It, I think that is true because that's yeah. Because when we when I take uh, orders over the phone from uh, people, you always have to enter yeah. the information each time. Yeah, but and you, you would need a whole different level of uh, of um, certification. 
if you were if you were storing credit cards locally you'd have to be uh mm-hmm. oh god what is it rsi whatever the hell it is mm-hmm. whatever the hell it is yeah, there's a certification you have to get to store credit cards okay. and you get audited annually and stuff like that but yeah. But you get enough information, personal information about people, and you can take you know reasonable guesses about you know That's passwords and, and create false identities and one two three four or password <laughs> go. <laughs> I was staying at someone's house one time. Adam knows the story. I was staying at someone's house one time, and I couldn't get onto their Wi-Fi. And I said, "Hey, what's your password for your Wi-Fi?" And they go, "I don't know. <laughs> we 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 didn't set it up. I don't know what it is." Yeah. And look on the router. I look on the router. I can't find anything. So I just go, password. And it works. And I go, you know your password is password. And they go, eh. (laughs) (laughs) Most of the time. I mean, like, I frequently, uh, the router, the wireless, you know, there's not a lot of, I mean, I live in a large enough neighborhood that my neighbors aren't close enough to the system to usually pick ours up anyway. Mm -hmm. And... I agree with Wired. The digital gentleman had a <laughs> yeah. had a had a report on uh, whether you should secure your Wi-Fi or not, and he was like, "No, most people can't do anything with it unsecured." And some guy who's really in trouble and needs to pick up a Wi-Fi signal for a moment could really use that. Mm-hmm. Although, mm-hmm. although there was one case because I, I read an, a more in-depth article one time talking about essentially yeah keeping your wi-fi open because there are more benefits than there are um um, um it's the opposite of benefit uh risks. to track risks problems. thank you good problems there we go uh but they did mention the case of this one guy that he had an open wi-fi and his neighbor was using his wi-fi signal to download uh child pornography yep and so this guy got arrested because he was the owner and uh, you know the, I guess the yeah. gatekeeper of that particular IP address, that that Wi-Fi signal, whatever. And so he actually got arrested. Eventually, they cleared him, but he it was a very expensive process. <laughs> yeah, I, I I am not a believer in open Wi-Fi personally. I, I just I, I when I was younger, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But stories like the one you're talking about, and just as many, you know open devices as I have like in my home, you know, like where I want everything to wirelessly, you know, share files between Mm -hmm. things. And even on my machines, like everything's configured along the chain to have a password. So they know to talk to each other and not to other Mm -hmm. things. And everything's pretty clamped down here. But why throw the gate open, you know, in case, you know know what I mean? Because sometimes you you discover like, oh, there's this vulnerability here that, you know, if they get access to your Wi-Fi, then, you know, for these three months until there's a patch, there's this little thing. And it's like, ah, you know what? Why why invite trouble? Um, at least that's what we're at. But I also have to, like, do things like upload, you know, large videos and, and stuff like that for work. So it's like I don't need someone else, you know, stream, streaming down Netflix, pulling sure. out of my bandwidth when I need these things for work. Mm-hmm. That all makes sense. But Aaron, you're a better human being than all of us, I think. Well, no, really, the most thing is my dad gets new gadgets that he uses for like three seconds. <laughs> um, and so he's constantly putting things on and taking things off. And he's like, I, I don't remember how to put this on. So I was like, oh, I'll set it up so it's easier. Unlock. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, all your gadgets work. Leave me alone. <laughs> Ta-da. <laughs> That's funny. 
Well, speaking uh, of uh, new gadgets, uh, yes. there's a guy that I found this week uh, online. I don't, not personally. That'd be awesome if I knew him, but I don't. <laughs> um, his name is Rich Lee, and uh, he is a <laughs> Rich Lee. <laughs> And that, Go on. I don't He's know. An adverb. He it. isn't. He is an adverb. <laughs> Although I said him as a question, Rich Lee. Rich Lee. Um, anyway, he is a self-described uh, transhumanist and into like sort of body modification, uh, mm. very similar to uh, the cyborg uh, man that we talked about um, uh, in some episodes past. And uh, this guy, Rich Lee, what he did was he uh, he saw um, uh, a little how-to on that website, Instructables. Uh, Mm -hmm. which uh, Instructables has a bunch of like sort of how to either crafty or gadgety tech things. I've pulled a couple of things from him before. Um, but basically, he has taken two tiny little magnets and he has implanted them into um, that little flap that covers like your ear hole. I don't, I don't know what it's called. Not, not mm -hmm. the lobe at the bottom, but the little sort yeah, of yeah. jutty out pointy the part. Thing, anyway, the, the nubbin. The nubbin. The bit you push it. when you want to hear people in the club. <laughs> Right. <laughs> that is the, the button clubbing. you push. The clubbing. The clubbing. It's the clubbing. So I don't he know had why two... it works, but it does. <laughs> he put two little magnets in the clubbing, and um, he has created a necklace that is basically like another sort of magnetic coil that's connected to an amplifier, a tiny amplifier that then plugs into like his iPod and smartphone. And so he can play music that... Uh, broadcast directly into those magnets that are implanted in his ear through mm. the amplifier necklace thing that he has created. Mm. And uh, yeah, so he has like permanent sort of headphones implanted into his ear in a way. And yeah, go ahead. You look like you want to say something. Yeah. But part of the reason, part of the reason why he did this, um, uh, he actually, um, he, he was thinking about sort of other upgrades and things he can do. Uh, he wants to create like sort of an echolation device. Uh, so that he can tell, you know, depth and distances of things. And the reason why is because he uh, he is going blind. He has a degenerative de eye disorder. And mm -hmm. so, you know, this seems extreme to play music, you know, all the time. But he actually, it's more towards this progression of wanting to create this sort of echolation device that will help him navigate the world when he um, eventually and inevitably loses his eyesight. Um, but, yeah, his name's oh, wow. Rich Lee. Yeah, and, yeah. I was uh, trying to look him up on uh, on on the interwebs on mm -hmm. transhumanity.net. And if you find the right link, yeah, yeah. There's actually um, uh, you can uh, he, he's got like a little video of showing him using the device and and uh, kind of they describe how it was done and you know uh, little 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 incision right at the clubbing and um, you know uh -huh. very very little <laughs> scarring. Yeah. Uh huh. I hope that becomes a, a term that maybe he picks up and starts clubbing. using the clubbing. Yeah. But it says here uh, on transhumanity.net uh, where he, if it's the same guy, is an author, and I assume he is. Mm -hmm. It says Rich Lee is a space gangster, businessman, yes. grinder, and black hat transhumanist. <laughs> he promotes tech piracy, biohacking, and committing grand theft future. Yep. I like his bio. He's he's pretty cool. Uh, uh, th there was another little thing that stood out. I remembered because he's trying to figure out all of these other devices that he could, uh, you know, connect to the magnets in his ear, and one mm -hmm. of them was uh, a Geiger can counter. 
Because <laughs> oh yeah, because you know a Geiger counter uh, detects the radiation with these clicks, and so and he apparently lives uh, in Nevada somewhere, or he frequents in Nevada, and you know there was a lot of nuclear testing that went on there in the 1950s, and there's still a lot of hot spots with low level radiation, and so he kind of wants to go out there and go uh, amateur uranium cake hunting. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's a perfect segue for my first experience with a Geiger counter, which I've never experienced in real life. Uh, but I always think of uh, the scene in the original uh, Incredible Hulk comic origin story, whatever it was, uh, with uh, him in the desert. Uh, and uh, and he's sitting there, and he, Bruce Banner's, you know, the bomb's already gone off. And he and I think Rick Jones are sitting in the cell and he's getting all sweaty and weird and the Geiger counter starts going off. And that's how I learned what a Geiger counter was. <laughs> and click, 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 click. And then he hooks out. I think the first time I ever saw a Geiger counter was in Ghostbusters 2. <laughs> like, uh, and I don't, and, and looking back, I don't understand why they were using a Geiger counter. <laughs> like it right. didn't, it didn't make sense. I mean, they were, uh, maybe ectoplasm gives off some low level radiation, but they never right. used the word radiation. They were just like, yeah, the Geiger counter says there's a lot of slime down here. So, you know, oh well. <laughs> <laughs> and you and you wonder, guys, why I had such a confused understanding of science and scientific <laughs> facts and theories. Because <laughs> I would just, counters measure slime. Yeah, <laughs> I would just watch these, you know, bullshit movies that would just throw in technical terms. And you know, like I've said in the past, I would just wholeheartedly believe any story. You know what I mean? I would throw myself mm -hmm. into it. And so, yeah, Geiger counter counters are used to find uh, snot. So <laughs> why not? I, I believe them. They go crazy at Nick Studios back when that existed <laughs> a long time ago. Yeah. I always find it funny how much of Nickelodeon is still slime oriented when you can't do that on television, hasn't been on in decades, and nobody knows. Yeah. Nobody knows where it came. Where's it? Where's it? The, the current from? watchers are not hip to. No. But even. And, and I hate, too, that the slime texture has changed. It's essentially green water. You know, mm. there's there's a little bit of viscousness to it, but the theme not park much. slime is still the goopy slime. It's what they use oh. like in like the award ceremonies where they're just having to make, you know, metric tons of the stuff. But I mm -hmm. have a friend who worked at the theme park division before Nickelodeon Studios closed um, and he knows the slime recipe. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Hold him hostage. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what we do with it, but. I know what I'd do with it, but what? I'm, what would you do with I it? I maybe can't talk about it on the podcast. Ah, uh, you're but saying I know you what can't do, do that it. on podcast? That's right. Nice. <laughs> I'll slime you. Me and Alanis Morissette. <laughs> she was Calm on that down, show. Calm down, Dave Coulier. Calm down. <laughs> Thanks, Cut it out. <laughs> Boy. Uh, articles. <laughs> Articles. Guess we've already been doing articles. Yeah, we've been doing articles. I just feel weird when I don't say it. Oh. <laughs> Actually, I think we're running to the end of our time for today. Yeah, I think we are. We are actually. Yeah. 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 Excuse me. Bless, Bless you the know. heck out of. Oh, he's making slime. <laughs> well, we're very better, bodily today, and better I that end over here. Just better like that end the than the other. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever they sound like. <laughs> uh, so sign offs yes sign offs uh, I am Jeff and I am as viscous as you need me to be
Uh-huh. I'm Aaron, and I have slimed the virtual environment. <laughs> Did he go away? No. No, yeah. he's still oh. here. It's time for okay. you to go away. Sorry. No, no. It like trailed <laughs> off, and then your picture went away at my end. So I thought, oh, no, my computer <laughs> messed up again. He's just stalling. Adam just wants more, more, more pod time, more radio. More radio hours. Yeah, I guess so. Um, let's see here. My name is Adam, and uh, I st- still barely understand how a Geiger counter works. Look <laughs> 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 out! Alright, goodbye, internet. <laughs> Frozen cat. Meow. Go yeah, that was my Google. That was my Google cat. Meow. Give me a pizza, Google cat. <laughs> huh. Meow, 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 meow.